This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Get a Casper mattress and get a great night's sleep. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. Um, you know, I'm thinking, I'm just making some notes here, and um, at some point we're going to talk about the great Gatsby. I've always found that the most depressing, empty, horrible tale of all time. And that is the transition from one period to another, isn't it? Right. And do all the transit, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. Why don't you take me from the beginning? Okay. Um, A duality. A duality is the choice between two good things. And there are no harder choices in life than the choice between two good things. And people never think about that. And to, an example would be um, justice and, and mercy. mercy or freedom and responsibility, honesty and loyalty. These are all good things. But sometimes you have to choose between honesty and loyalty. Sometimes you have to choose between freedom and responsibility. And therein lies the pendulum. You see, these are good values. These are marvelous things. There's not one of them that's wrong and the other one that's right. But we, we will start moving in a direction, say, toward freedom. And that will take us into a me generation. A me generation will last 40 years. And this has been going on with precision in Western society for 3,000 years. It can be not documented. Not been happening in Asia? Well, it's happening, but it's happening the exact... Uh, Opposite cycle. We go to the zenith of a me when they hit the zenith of a we. Why? Do you know? Don't know. Don't know. It just okay. it's, it can be. It, the pattern f- follows true throughout all of history. I have no explanation for why. It's just they're in a precisely opposite cycle. The me is uh, to go to Winnie the Pooh. It's Tigger. Uh, the wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things. Their heads are made out of rubber. Their bottoms are made out of springs. They're bouncy, flouncy, trouncy, pouncy, fun, 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 fun. The most wonderful thing about Tiggers is I'm I'm the the only one. And that is the belief system of freedom moving into a me generation. And when you're going into a me, here's what what a me demands. You're demanding freedom of expression and you applaud personal liberty. Yes, everybody should do their own thing, march to the beat of a different drummer. And when you're in a me, the belief instinctively is, you know, Genius comes from the individual working alone. You know, one man is wiser than a million men. And then a camel is a racehorse designed by a committee. (laughs) You see? And so uh, a me wants to create a better life for himself or herself. I want the the big house and the fast car. That is success. And then it's about big dreams. You see, in a me cycle, JFK says, let's go to the moon. And everybody says, yeah, let's. And... We do that because we will find heroes to follow. Now, heroes serve a purpose. Um, we choose our heroes, and then they make us in their own image. Think that Say through it again. for a minute. We choose our heroes, even if they're fictional heroes or imaginary heroes, comic book heroes, movie heroes. And then those heroes, because we admire them, they make us in their own image. 
we conform to what we see in those heroes. And we only do that in a me cycle. We will always have heroes. We will always create heroes. And anytime you're looking at a me cycle, you will see people, um, what shall I call it, living and uh, modeling the ideal behavior for everyone else to follow. And so um, it's about big dreams. Everybody wants to be number one. I came, I saw, I conquered, I did it, I'll do it my way. And then they admire individual confidence and they're attracted to people who are decisive. Decisive people, okay? Bold, declarative people. And then leadership style in a me is, hey, look at me, admire me, and then emulate me if you can. Be like me. So why don't we get a a Hitler or a Mussolini with those traits of a, of a society that likes the individual, the strong person, decisive, I conquered. Why don't they flourish in those times? They do. What I'm saying is the heart of the individual isn't good or bad determined by whether they're in a me or a we cycle. At the zenith of the last me, which was 1983, Ronald Reagan was president. He wasn't evil guy. He wasn't Hitler. Okay. Now, if you look at the we cycle, which is the opposite of the me, we haven't got there yet. Okay. Well, we'll get there when we get there. Okay. Um, and, and, and what happens is a, a me, um, these heroes strengthen the society's sense of identity. And it's kind of like this is, this is the emblem of who we are. This is what we're all striving to be is this, this leader figure. Think John Wayne. Mm-hmm. John Wayne was an iconic hero during a me cycle. And so he modeled uh, the behavior for American men for an entire generation. And what happens is when we choose a hero, then they make us in their image. We choose to be like them. And this only happens in a me. And it elevates attractive heroes. It gives the society a real strong sense of identity. Now, these are good things. Can that be uh, distorted and perverted? Absolutely it can. But it doesn't have to be. A me is not a bad thing. But remember, we always take a good thing too far. This is the problem. Whenever you're at the fulcrum, which is things are really balanced here, it's 20 years up, 20 years down. And then it's 20 years up to the we and 20 years down. So a complete round trip is 80 years. This has been going on for 3,000 years since the time of Solomon. Now from here to there, from one zenith to the other is 40 years. This is a biblical principle. Glenn, I first came on this whenever, um, as we often do, um, in the autumn, I think a lot of us kind of reflect on the year as it's wrapping up, and we begin thinking, you know, did we accomplish everything we wanted this year, and we start thinking about next year. And it hit me at the end of 2003. I said, I've lived this year before. I remember 1963. 2003 was 1963 all over again. But we're headed the opposite direction. And I was pondering this, and I have an incredibly brilliant friend on our board of directors, and uh, his name is Dr. Richard D. Grant. And the next time I saw him, I said, Nick, here's what I'm thinking and feeling. And he goes, oh, oh. There was a book published about 10 years ago called Generations. You should read that. So I did. And I said, well, they are seeing it differently than I am. They have a whole different methodology and ideology, but they see the same pattern. And so it encouraged me. 
and I began to examine what are the forces at work that are creating this precise cycle back and forth. And I realized that it was two different sets of values, both of which were healthy and good, but here's where it gets ugly. For some reason, human beings always take a good thing too far. Mm-hmm. We always do, Glenn. What becomes this beautiful dream of individuality, self-expression, be your own person, march to the beat of a different drummer, be number one, be all you can be, you, you're the one, we made this burger for you. Of course, McDonald's did that during a me cycle. That's the language of the me. But at the zenith of the me, whenever we start here, and it's beautiful, 1963, bam, by the time we get to 1983, we have Michael Jackson's Thriller LP. He, he swept the Grammys. He won nine awards. Wonderful album, but slick, polished, choreographed, you know, unbelievable production values. And everything in society was like that. You know, we had line dancing, everybody in unison, and everybody's wearing costumes, and you had Kiss, and everybody's just got the most outrageous costumes, trying to be more different, trying to be more unique than everybody else. And it feels unbelievably hollow and phony, and everybody realizes I'm a poser. I'm tired of posing. I'm tired of being empty. I'm tired of being this, this fake thing. And so we hunger for what we left behind. So we took a good thing too far, wound up at the zenith of a me cycle, and then we go, hey, hey, we got to go back. And so we slowly deflate the me. It doesn't go away overnight. It takes 20 years to get out of control. It takes 20 years to get back in balance. And then we go, okay, this thing that we've been hungering for, it's working together for the common good. Now let's go over here to the, to the we. This is cool, okay? Now, when you're in a we cycle, it's about the group, the team, the collective. It's not about the individual. And you don't have to be the captain of the football team. You just need to be a productive player on the team. I just need to do my part. And they demand conformity for the common good. This is whenever productivity skyrockets because it's all about conformity and, um, and teamwork. They applaud personal responsibility. Not individuality, not freedom, but responsibility. Freedom is the me. Responsibility is the we. They're both good things. These are, neither one of these are bad things. There's not a mistake on the board, okay? But we always take a good thing too far. Let's look at how we take this too far, okay? Now, whereas the me believed one man is wiser than a million men, the we says, no, a million men are wiser than one man. Two heads are even better than one. The more people working on it, the better the outcome. And then they want to create a better world, not a better life. You see, that's where we've been since 2003. We've been in the upswing of a we cycle. It's your planet too. It's my planet. We're all in this together. Do you recycle? Okay, And so the idea is it's about all of us, the collective, and it's about small actions. Now, this is where in a me, we have big dreams. Tell me your dreams, honey. And in a we, it's kind of like, no, no, no. Save the cheap talk. Show me what you believe. Do it. That's a we. That's why, and I love this, Google is not hiring. They don't care about your transcripts. They don't care what you did in college. What are you doing right now? Exactly. Are you taking actions? And so the things you do... And that's why millennials are all about action. Absolutely. They're, They're part of a we generation. It's what you say means nothing. Do it. Do something. What you do shows me who you are. And that's why, for instance, politically, it's... It, they don't... Those guys aren't producing anything. They're not actually doing anything, so they seem like total frauds. Right. And what happens is, 
Um, and, and this is a tangential thing, but I adore the products of Steve Jobs. But I actually admire Bill Gates much more as a human being. Because if you examine Jobs' life, what did he ever give to? What did he ever believe in? What did he ever build or attempt to make better? What did he invest in? What did he support other than his dream of Apple? And you look at Bill Gates and you're going, oh, no. He is all in on trying to make the world a better place. He's doing everything that he thinks and makes you sense. You know what's funny is they have the opposite reps. Yes, isn't that funny? Yeah. And I'm going, I just say Bill Gates is a wonderful human being. Him and Warren Buffett, how do you not love these guys? They're saying, oh no, we're putting our money where our heart is. We're going to go try to do things for the benefit of people outside our family. For, for, for people we will never meet. We just think the world needs to be better. And so that is the beautiful side of a we. But we always take a good thing too far, Glenn. We take a good thing too far. Now, this is where it's about to get scary because we're in a we cycle right now. Okay? I don't know. Number one, demands conformity for the common Ooh. good. Kind of scary. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, uh, especially if you grew up in a me generation, as we both did. Yes. Now, they don't desire to be number one. They just decide, desire to be a member of the team. I, I came, I saw, I concurred. I belong. Right now, the belonging needs, the sense of being part of a tribe, very powerful in a we generation. So I said two years ago that I thought the problem with society is I felt like nobody was listening to anybody. The average person feels like nobody's listening to me. Mm -hmm. I don't belong to anything anymore. I I don't feel like I'm I'm, I'm a member even of my own country. I don't. What do I belong to? Right. Uh, and the uh, third thing is I don't have control over my life. Mm-hmm. I, I can't make a difference myself. We talked about Tigger, who was the Winnie the Pooh character that embodies the me generation, right? I'm mm-hmm. the only one. Flouncy, bouncy, trouncy, pouncy, fun, 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 fun. This is Eeyore the donkey. Eeyore. Oh, boy. It's probably going to rain, and then we're all going to die. (laughs) I told you so. And so Eeyore isn't evil. He's just... A downer. A downer. And what happens is, when you are... But if you watch um, the Disney um, productions of, of Winnie the Pooh, nobody works harder for the group than Tigger. Tigger will always appoint himself to go do the hard thing, to go find a new house for Owl or whatever it is. Everybody's sitting around and running their mouth, but it's old Eeyore that goes out there and does the hard thing. And so that sense of responsibility, that sense of, oh boy, it's hard and somebody has to do it and I guess it's me. And so they whine and they moan, but they're actually pretty solid. We have streets and lights and pipes because of those kinds of people. They're not big dreamers. When George Bush said after 9-11, go shopping, it was so empty and so, that's not, that's not what we can do. We're, we're American. We're better than that. Right. Did that play a role? Because this was before, this was right at the fulcrum, right? right. The what point. happens is, is there is always some confusion in, in which way the wind is blowing, right at the tipping point between a we and a me or a me and a we. And we will carry forward some of the old behaviors and some of the old ways of thinking, not realizing that the earth has shifted beneath our feet. 
and people's heads and hearts are in a different place now. Than I think we're still in that, aren't we? Less Most than people... you might suspect. In other words, uh, people of our generation, we believe so deeply, so long in all of the perspectives of the me that we have a hard time accepting that the we, when you don't take it too far, has its place and it has its values. And so we keep wanting to go back to how it used to be. We want Billy Graham and John Wayne again. And it's like, no, their day is done, and nobody came along to replace them because we don't have those kinds of heroes in a we. Is this, do you have, first, are superheroes, um, are they in the we or the me? Superheroes or both? Which one? Give me an example of which superhero you're talking about. Um, All the Marvel stuff going on right now. Batman. Yeah. Is Batman a Marvel character? Uh, He's DC comic, but close enough. Okay. So what do we know about Batman? How did, what was the origin of his superpowers? Or Spider-Man. Origin of his superpowers. What was it? Um, He was in a lab that they were trying to make things better. Well, remember, the reason he decided to start using his superpowers is he could have stopped... Yes. The murder of his gentle Uncle Ben. Mm -hmm. And he didn't take action. And so he is haunted by failure to take action, a small action. And so he is a little bit of an Eeyore. He's trying to redeem himself, okay, as is Batman. Batman saw his parents murdered, remember? Mm -hmm. And so he was scarred for life, and he is haunted. And he is not perky Tigger, and neither is... Well, uh, perhaps Spider-Man is more than Batman, but you can find the me and you can find the we. So the characters, remember, are just like any other human beings. Look at the comic. A person who is born in a me generation doesn't stay in a me generation their whole life if they lived more than 40 years. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so what happens is if you look at the comics in which these characters are portrayed, look at the ones that were written, the story arc in a me generation, and you'll see me values reflected. When you look at the story arcs in a we generation, you'll see we values reflected. And so, okay, so those kind of heroes can last. Can there, can, is there, um, do you find Bonhoeffers, Gandhis, standalone kind of guys in the me generation? Well, wait a minute. Every hero is, by definition, in a me generation, a standalone kind of guy. Right. But you, do you have those kinds? Of, as I'm thinking of them, the, the Gandhis and the, the Bonhoeffers and all of these guys, maybe Martin Luther King, he's at the very beginning of going into a we generation, Right. Or a me generation. He's no, at the he was, end he was of early, the we. He was early me. Me. Right. During the transitionary window. Right. And, but actually, very late, uh, very late we right. into early me. Right. So do those, do you have which is, need which is significant, for those? Which is very significant. Now, think of this through for a minute. So the racial tension had been there for decades. Right. But it was only at the tipping point, at the beginning of a me generation, that a, an articulate magnetic, dynamic leader rose up to point the way. And so we had had the problem for decades and decades and decades that at the beginning of a me, a leader arises. Does that make sense? Yes. And in a we, that doesn't happen. 
In a we, it does not. It does not. Who's the dynamic leader in America today? Who's the person we all said, man, I can't that's find the person right there. There you go. And it's because we're in a we. Now, in Asia, they're in a me. In the West, we're in a we. But in a we generation, you do. Last time we were in a we generation was 20s through, what, 1946? No. The last, the last we generation, Lynn, the beginning of last we was 1923. Now, let's examine what happened in 1923. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Uh, roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. Now, what was invented or popularized in 1923 technologically? KDKA, Pittsburgh. Radio. Yep. Radio went from one radio station in just a very few years to yep. thousands. Now, radio is a vehicle for staying in touch, community. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, 10 years into the we, 1933, FDR has his first fireside chat. And he says, hey, we're, we're going to pull this through this. Yeah, you know, we, we're all one family. We're all in this together. We're working together for the common good. You're not alone. This is all of us, and we can do this. Okay. And so he, he uses this tool, this new technology for social media, if you will, to bring the nation together. Okay, and so you can have uh, a father figure who is positive and upbeat and trying to do the right thing in a we. Okay, now he doesn't compare to Ronald Reagan, who is at the zenith of a me, different leadership style. He's not as sparkly, is not as much fun. You see what I mean? And a little bit more of a downer. You have FDR, and then you said, okay, so the last um, me started in 1923. It zeniths in 1943, and you said, okay, now. We're in this uh, we cycle where we have problems to solve. We have problems that need to be solved. You know why we have problems? Because we go looking for problems in a we. It's not that they just magically appear. We ignore things like that in a me. Uh. We're having a wonderful party and we just let things slide. But when you're trying to straighten things out and when you're trying to right all the wrongs, you find problems. So where, at what point is it, are we in this now, this last 10 years of the t- first 20 year, that it can become a witch very hunt. dangerous? It's a witch hunt. And it's like because you've tracked this through history, and the witch hunts actually happened in about, a we, right? In every, every instance in the history of Western society, when we behead people or burn people at the stake, the Salem witch trials, zenith of a we, Robespierre's reign of terror, Zenith of a Wee, guillotine 20,000 of his own people, all right? Um, you look at the American Revolution, Zenith of a Wee, and you're saying, okay, so whenever we just get it in our head, we're going to straighten things out. Sometimes that gets out of hand, and people go too far, and you wind up deciding people are witches, and burning people at the stake, uh, cutting people's heads off because they don't measure up, they're not towing the line, they're not pure enough, they're not enough of whatever it is you're supposed to be at that time. And in the, in, the, in the witch hunt, which is the tail end as you're approaching the zenith of the we, which for us will be 2023, okay? The great danger is, unless you have somebody like Abraham Lincoln or FDR to kind of say, calm down, you know, um, think about this. Whenever the South was defeated... And everybody was saying, so Lincoln, now we're going to take everybody's stuff, right? 
We're going to take away all the southern farms, and we're going to punish those guys. And they wanted it. They, and what did Lincoln say? With malice toward none and charity toward all. We welcome them as brothers. Yes. We welcome them as brothers. Yeah. Take and, what was it? Take they take your foot off their neck. Right. Gently. Exactly. And so, if you have a we leader like Lincoln, who says my job is to keep bad stuff from happening. We've got this horrible problem, everything's a mess, but I need to keep bad stuff from happening. I don't want to fan the flames of it. So is a... Because really, FDR was a collectivist in many ways. Lincoln was not. Um, I mean, he was pulling everybody together, but he was not the he was not the central command kind of guy, except when the war was going and he had to. You know right. what I mean? Right. Lincoln was extraordinarily unpopular. Mm -hmm. The founders were the ultimate individual liberty guys. Right. Nobody wanted to go along with the, uh, you know, with the with the actual Constitution. Right. Um, which would fit. But why were they popular? Lincoln not. I can understand. I can understand Lincoln not being popular. No, wait a minute. The founding fathers were not collectively popular. You got to remember, Hamilton and Burr hated each other enough. They had a duel to the death. And so, to say that everybody. Yeah, I guess you're in right. Only thirty percent. You're right. Only thirty percent actually followed them. Right. And what I'm saying is, is nobody was universally popular. Everybody had their own little tribe. But what they did is they worked together for the common good. What did they write? We, the people. Thomas Jefferson, he never freed his slaves, but this is the genius of Jefferson. He never freed his slaves, but he did say, you know what, I'm not going to limit my beliefs and I'm not going to limit the vision of this nation to what I personally have the strength to live up to. He said, all men are created equal. Now, he didn't live it. He, he tried. He actually tried. He fell short, but the point is he didn't water down the truth to the level that he could live up to. He said, nope. Even if I can't do it, it's still the truth, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it, why? For the good of everyone. And so they were all thinking about collective good, even though they were uh, definitely a disjointed team of strong individuals who could just barely get along. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go back to the... Let's go back to the... Kings and the Bonhoeffers. All right. You don't, and compare them with the heroes, if you will, at the beginning of We Cycles, right. like Adolf Hitler at the beginning of the We Cycle, right. is a hero for a few short years. He's right. a hero. Um, and the opposite, the one that has a lasting he he heroic uh, legacy, right. are the Bonhoeffers, the people right. who stand against them. Right. Okay. Um, do you have, do you have those same kinds of people in the West? Do you have Bonhoeffers in the individual period? All right. When you think of, of, um, that personality, think of Jimmy Stewart in any of his movies. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart in 12 Angry Men. Yes. Or Jimmy Stewart in, um, It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. He's just a regular guy doing the best he can to make it through the day. And that's what you get in a we generation. Bonhoeffer 
a regular guy doing the best he can to make it through the day. And he wasn't say, look at me and admire me. He was saying, hey, somebody has to this s- is say something. For all of us. Somebody, this is, I'm, I'm going to speak up for everyone. Where the Steve Jobs is more the hero of... Steve even Jobs. Be, yeah, yeah, but I mean, he, he is known, though, at that time as a hero for all of us because look at what he's done. Remember, he was a brilliant leader and a brilliant designer, but remember, it was Wozniak that created the Mac. Take, a, take, him, take him, let's move him in time. All right. Leave the same laws and the same conditions right. in place, okay? Right. Right. Move it in time. Could Steve Jobs have been that man in 2024 or... In a, in a zenith of a we generation and, and had the reputation and been as effective no, as no, he no, was. No, 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 no. What happens is there can be an outlier in any generation. You can have a strong me personality who will not be admired at the zenith of a we. They can be known and they'll be considered an eccentric or a crank. And yeah, that's this guy and he thinks it's all about him and pff, nobody likes him, but mm-hmm. he's invented some cool stuff. Okay, so let's contrast people like um, Richard Branson mm-hmm. and um, the guy with the Tesla. What's his name? Uh, Elon Musk. There you go. And saying so, those guys are true we leaders because what they're doing, Peter Demandis, they're all doing things saying, you know what? I'm concerned about not making my life better. I'm concerned about making millions of lives better. And that idea is real leadership in a we. And so we are attracted to those leaders. We think these are awesome people, but they don't say, look at me, look at me, look at me. So saying, that's why do this thing together. I, whenever I think of Elon Musk, I think of Franklin. Because Franklin gave the potbelly stove yeah. away, and Elon Musk gave his batteries away. He's given all of his technology exactly. away. As a matter of fact, same most, generation, most same people mindset. don't realize this. Did you know that with almost without exception... Every life-saving invention on the automobile was developed and patented by Mercedes-Benz. And they never charge anyone for the patent. They said, look, we designed this, we patented it. However, because it saves lives, seat belts, safety glass in the windshields, etc., all these things that save lives, we want everybody to have this for free. We give you free infringement on our patent. Go ahead. No idea. They've never promoted that. But what I'm saying is there, are, there have always been companies with a conscience it's just not popular in a me to do that. But it's now would be the time for Mercedes to say, to, yeah, by the way, go we own all up. this. And believe it or not, are you want to hear a real shocker? Did you know that Rolex Corporation is owned and always has been by the orphanages of Switzerland? The guy, the guy that invented Rolex watches <laughs> fell in love with a girl he grew up with in the orphanage. They got married. They never had children. And so they built this amazing company, and whenever they passed, all proceeds of Rolex Corporation go to the orphanages of Switzerland. So if you have a choice and you're forced to be an orphan, try to be an orphan in Switzerland. Oh, my God. Because gosh. they have some really great orphanages. Now, Rolex has never told anybody that, and Mercedes has never told anybody that, um, you know, we developed all this life-saving stuff, but we let everybody have it for free because we want, we want to save lives. And so those are the, there are people that do that. They usually do it in a we, and these days it is good business practice to take a stand for something publicly because there is a corporate responsibility 
that people say, we need to, you to show us what you believe. We need, to, we need to see you making a difference. And so you're actually satisfying the cry of the public to go ahead and let them know what we're doing to help. Have you read The Fourth Turning? No. You I've heard of it. it. Okay, you should read it. Uh, the Fourth Turning is about the different generations. And they, it's the same cycle, exactly okay. the same cycle. Of course. Um, and we're in now the hero cycle. The, the, the people coming up are going to be the heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, they look at why the cycle happens. They look at what leads these people. What happened to their parents right. that made these kids like that? Mm-hmm. And what happened to these kids when before they were parents? That, and so they track it. They track it back. We reject the excesses and mistakes of our parents. Yes. And so we tend to be like our grandparents. Is and if you track this back and forth with pendulum is that's how it works out. That's why there's a very, um, a certain simpatico between grandchildren and grandparents. It's because they typically were f- had their opinions formed during the same cycle. And the outlier is the generation in between. Hmm. Okay, so tell me, let's, let's go back to Reagan here for a second. Because the beginning of the me cycle was in the 60s. 1963. Okay, that's about the time... Ronald Reagan started doing his GE right. theater, right. and he really formulates who he is mm-hmm. in the early 1960s. He rejects the we and starts going to the me and learns it. By 1968, he is, you know, doing big stuff. Mm-hmm. 76, he almost wins. But it takes him until the end right. of the me. He always said that he never changed, except mm-hmm. for in the 60s, he never right. changed. It's just that society caught up, time caught up with him. It was right. all of a sudden his moment. Right. A, do you believe that, that, that that's how this happens? Because this kind of makes sense with that. Mm-hmm. And why is this, why did he only catch at the very end? Okay, now remember, time and chance and circumstances affect all of us. I mean, there were a lot of other people on that same cycle. There were a lot of other people who were talking about individuality and strength and self-expression and be your own person and we need more liberty and we need more freedom and we need more, you know, um, dynamic, uh, individual, strong, decisive leadership. But not all of them get to be president. And right. so the fact that it takes a while for these things to okay. happen is, shouldn't be a big surprise. I think that... Would Reagan would be the exact opposite answer today? Reagan would not be elected today. And not because of his policies. No, it has nothing to do with his policies. It it doesn't. It has everything to do with his personality and his viewpoint and his mannerisms. Now, remember, um, the reason that we have two candidates that everybody's unhappy with is neither of those candidates is expressing any me values. Because remember... No, they're not expressing any we values. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Thank you for the correction. Yeah. It's the the we values. Remember, um, in a we, particularly in this cycle... It is a little bit about brokenness. It is a little bit about Eeyore. It is a little bit about, hey, you know, there's this thing. And, uh, you know, okay. I'm so not sure what to you do. You said, let me see if I understand this. You said, let's go back to everybody's in costumes. And I, when you said that, I remembered the village people. Yeah. And so in that me cycle, everybody's in costumes. Right. Well, that's the pinnacle of their age, really, right. was that's when they were formulating who they really were, was in the 80s and and the end of the me cycle. But remember that Beatles in 63 had identical little suits and identical little haircuts. They were coming out of a me. And if you look at all of the, the rock groups, 63, 64, they look like me. 
They were, they were very conformists. And then is very, very, very quickly, between 63 and 68, things got incredibly colorful and hair got long and morals loosened up. And it's kind of like, wow, the gigantic change happens in a six-year transitionary window beginning at the tipping point, 63, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. That's when the big, big, big change happens, whoosh. And then it increases gradually to the zenith and then comes back down. You get to the next tipping point, 2003. 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Everything in social media, the new radio, okay, the new high-tech radio. Which is uh, an internet. It came of age in 2003. Did you know that everything that matters, with the exception of Amazon.com, Amazon.com was an early adopter. But for the most part, Google didn't hit its stride. Most people don't even realize YouTube did not exist until 2005. We didn't have an iPhone until 2007. And when you start looking at 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, everything that we think of as the current generation didn't really get popularized and go mainstream and really deliver on its promise until 2003. And then whoosh, we are where we're at today. So we're not going to see the kind of technological advances online that we saw in those years, 2003 to 2008. People can run their mouth all they want, but we're not going to see them. There will be incremental change. That is change. opposite of everything I've heard. I know. There will be incremental changes. So are you saying like the Tesla, the, the self-driving car, the battery car, that, that's not going to happen? No, it'll happen. But what I'm saying is that is an incremental change. That is not a um, paradigm-altering introduction. So the, I see. The Internet was a paradigm-altering. Paradigm altering. It, it just it. changed reality. Mm-hmm. It changed everything. Uh, fantasies suddenly became realities. And so the fact that we now can use computers to drive cars, it's like yippy-skippy. That's not a big deal, really. That's just a natural uh, extension of what we already understand. We already understand this, and of course you can aim it at that. It's not a big thing. It's like robotics. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I remember, it's why I clearly remember looking at an iPhone on television or an iPad and then touching the screen and opening it up, and I was like, Oh my gosh, that, that is not, that is in a different category than a self-driving car. Exactly. I expect that to happen. Yeah. See, it's not, it's not that we have different roads or even different cars. It's just that now you have a computer driving. Okay. So the fact that a computer can do some of the rudimentary things that people can do, duh, we've known that for decades. Like, so we've been having robotics and assembly plants for decades. And so that's just robotics technology applied to so let's go to um, this explains why the youth today is easily gobbled up into socialism, mm-hmm. right? Of course. Okay. Um, uh, does the, I would imagine that the fall of Russia fell in this time period. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, what happened is um, the USSR began in 1923 beginning, literally the year that the, the we began. When the we got started, the USSR got started. Now, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger to the zenith of the we, and then it continues through the balance of the we. You're still in the we, and then guess whenever it just really fell apart and kind of went away, the whole Russian threat. The zenith of the me. Yeah, and coming back. Zenith of the me. Yeah. In 1943, the zenith of the the previous we, the zenith of the last we was 1943. So we had FDR defining 
the common good in America. Mm -hmm. You had Hitler defining the common good in Germany. This is not making me happy because I see where you're going. So whoever (laughs) is defining the common good, whoever is saying, hey, this is what we collectively need to do, and if everybody agrees with the person who's defining the common good, okay, then that's what they all do. Well, okay, Hitler says we need to clean this nation up and solve all our problems by killing all the Jews. Well, it seems a little radical, but let's get started. And so they literally thought they were doing the right thing. They literally thought this was the right thing for the nation. They did. And they didn't think of themselves as evil monsters, even though what they were doing was evil and monstrous. Likewise, Stalin had all of his pogroms, and he was slaughtering millions of his own people, right? Because he believed, I'm going to clean this place up. I'm doing the right thing. This is for the common good. So in a we, whoever is defining the common good... Now, wait a second. If the right person was defining the common good, let's say it was you. And you got to define the common good. Tell me what it would be. But remember, you've got to get everybody on board with it. You are going to define the common good for America, and you're going to convince them that you're right. What is it you want to convince them of? I want to convince them. I mean, I feel it's, it's impossible because I want to convince them that the individual is paramount, that we have to, we have to all work together. But the only speech that, is, that needs protection is the speech from the individual you don't want to hear from. The only, the only stand worth taking is for the little guy that's getting crushed when everyone is in groupthink. Okay, so well, well, wait a second. It's really easily phrased. Whenever you say, everyone matters. People who aren't like you matter. And if somebody believes something and is saying something that's radically different than what you think, they matter because this is America and that's who we are. And you remind them of how we became a nation. And you say, this is who we have always been. And we've always been a nation of lots of different uh, cultures and backgrounds. But because this is America, everyone matters. Even the person totally different than you, totally opposite from you, when they have something to say, they're worth hearing. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean you have to do what they say, but they should be treated with respect because everyone matters. Now, when you say everyone matters, and then everyone becomes every single individual, you get what you want, right? Mm -hmm. But it is categorized in a we as we collectively are made up of individuals and every individual matters. So quit thinking that you're the only one that has an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone matters. And they should have their moment to... I guess it is no different than exactly the same time period, the same swing that the founders did with we the people. We, we like to characterize the founding fathers as these dynamic, rugged, individualist, me people. Well, that's revisionist. The simple fact is they were working together for the common good. They were overcoming their differences even though they violently hated each other. And, and you've read enough history to know that Thomas Jefferson was terrified of Hamilton, and and Jefferson and Adams had this life feud. And you're going, so these guys violently opposed to each other, but what did they actually do? They showed up, they worked together, they pounded out a constitution, they found agreement, okay, and they moved forward. And I'm saying it can happen again. Okay, so I want to, in the next episode, I want to talk to you about that, about how they could come together, people would say we can't come together anymore because nobody has an on- nobody's being honest. Everybody has an agenda 
and nobody, nobody's willing to say, guys, okay, I'll take some, you take some. I, I'll take, I'll, nobody's willing to say this. I'll take the blame. If you need me to take the blame, I'll take the blame. Let's start again here. Okay. Thank now, you, we, next time. Don't miss it. The key to having a great day starts with having a great night's sleep, and I know because I have a Casper mattress. The Casper mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that give you all of the support that you need and guarantee that you get the best night's sleep ever. Time Magazine named Casper Mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper ships for free in a box so small you won't believe it holds the actual mattress, making it simple to get from your front door to your bedroom. And you try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine, and they'll refund every single dime. Once you try it, you're never going to want to sleep on anything else. Having a great day by having a great night's sleep, casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn, $50 off the purchase of your mattress at casper.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Don't forget, $50 off the purchase of your mattress, casper.com slash Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply.